an alarming headline popped up on Megan's phone in July. First home couple's $15,000 shock that no one talks about. Ouch. Let's investigate what it was and why they didn't know about it and actually whether really people aren't talking about it or not. <laughs> Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today we're talking about the whole reason we developed the Home Buyer Academy, so that you learn about things that you don't know that you need to know, so you don't get a rude shock. Now, this couple, it sounds like they got a terribly rude shock. We're going to look into it and what they should have known. But before we get into that, what is your special house this week? Actually, I do know what this is, but I'll let you, you introduce gave it. it to me. So <laughs> if you tuned into episode 85, you would have seen the half terrace in the US that um, that I'd found and, and found really quite fascinating, actually. Well, this is Veronica's local version. It's a house <laughs> in Lewisham in New South Wales. Now, can you see that house is actually built to the side of an apartment complex that has been developed beside it? So one half of the duplex owners sold and the other one didn't. We don't know why this happened, why they didn't sell, but perhaps they should have. Oh, my God. So it's a semi-detached house where half the other one half has been demolished and a five-story unit block built right ne- bang on the boundary. On the boundary, right up against the half of house it's left, and you think, mm, talk about a great way to devalue your property yes. is <laughs> not sell to developers when the zoning changes and holding they can out, build. I'm holding out, oh, it's that dear. whole idea of you know, don't let the process of negotiation impact on your decision to buy or sell a property. <laughs> that if you listen to the elephant in the room, you'll know that we do a property dumbo in nearly every episode, and that, my friends, is a property dumbo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's get into this article. Now, it was um, it was first uh, news.com, well, I think. Um, it was actually on news.com, but it's vanished. I can't find a, it anymore. And uh, I went hunting and I found a couple of other links of it. So if you do want to read the whole thing, you can. Um, but it's more the moral of the story mm. than the story itself that I think that, you know, really piqued my interest when this came up because I, I kept staring at it going, what, what, what do they mean they didn't? No, how, how, well, how could they what not What do you mean know? no one's talking about no it? No one's talking about what? 
It's actually there. Honestly, this is not difficult information to find out, right? Even on Finder and on, you know, compare the market, all those sort of bank comparison sites. They've got every bank website got payments. They'll bring this stuff up, you know. We've even got a a blog post on this, which we'll include in the show notes. So, you can know what these hidden costs are that supposedly nobody's talking about. Actually, it's hiding in plain sight. Everyone's talking yes, about it. It's just that it really they weren't paying so how, attention. How they, have they missed this step? So they bought their first time for just under 400000 with a $70,000 deposit and another $10,000, they'd say, for moving expenses like furniture and removals and so forth. Although they've been careful saving um, for the day they finally got the property, they're amazed at how much they had to spend on fees. <laughs> I just... Veronica, I, I shouldn't laugh. I it's just that it. I, I don't mean, understand how you don't. Oh. And, and it's look, the article says when people say you need to a 20% deposit, that doesn't include fees such as stamp duty. They can be over $15,000, says Tony, who's one of these people. Mm. Now, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, that's and like, a cost of acquiring a property. It's a real cost. It exists. It's talked about. It's publicized. It's not it's hidden. Com- it's not. It's not a hidden cost. No. So what? What I found really interesting, and why I wanted to delve into this, is this isn't isn't having a go at these individuals. It's actually what what steps weren't taken in this process that should have been taken in the right order for them to know this right at the start, not right at the end. Well, and this is sort of interesting too because what ended up happening from what I can understand from this article is that because they didn't budget for the costs, they sort of had to pull their pull their belts in and, and like eat baked beans for a bit to save, 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 save every extra bit that they could mm. to cover these incidental costs, which are roughly 5% of the purchase price, just so you know, budget for that and you should be round about right. But, um, you know, then they had to pay some additional lender's mortgage insurance from what I can understand, because the fact that they then had to dig into their deposit to what they thought they had 20%, then they had to dig into that in order to cover the costs such as stamp duty. And also there's, you know, there's there's various other costs, which, you know, the link is in the show notes and we'll run through those in a moment. But so if you want a summary of those costs, then then get the link in the show notes. But the, the, um, these are calculators that you should be using right from the start, right from the moment you start thinking about buying a property, you should have these calculators out. These We've got downloadable spreadsheets as part of the course notes. This is information you should have to hand and know exactly what you need to save. It's not just a 20% deposit. To give you context, if you have done the course, you'll know, right? We have a pay system. The pace is preparation, action, commitment, and execution. And within that, bought those four phases, you've got 10 steps. This is step two. Step two of the whole purchasing process is understanding exactly how much money you need, right? Step two, right? So they didn't get to step two until they got to step 10. (laughs) And so this is a really good illustration of why you need to know the Mm. steps and do them in the right order. Mm. So you don't get caught out saying, why did I not know I have to pay a cough up $15,000 that nobody talks about? Or as People I said, are talking I can't about understand why no one was talking about how much to pay in addition to a deposit. They didn't know what they didn't know. And it's they didn't sad. Know what because, they didn't know. Um, so then they had to pay extra because they had to pay a lender's mortgage insurance because their actual um, total loan was going to be more than 80%. So they hadn't budgeted for that either. Mm. Plus the deposit fees and so forth. Yep. Um, so th- there were some things there that they really hadn't sat down. And and as the story goes on, they 
initially went down the path of talking to mortgage brokers. Now, mortgage brokers talk about these things up front, their conversations that they have with buyers, costs, deposits, so forth. Um, but, but they ended up a- decide to go on, on their own. Yes, uh, absolutely. And they also, they said that they felt lucky to find a salesman who took pity on them. And this is the weird bit. This is the mm. bit that I'd love to get some detail on because um, and in fact, one of the articles we've used has got this weird typos as if it's been um, transcribed. So it says, and I'm going to quote, we were lucky we bought it from a Finn, so I don't quite know what Finn, mm. um, that cut a section of the block and made money selling the land. They wanted the house to go to a young couple. Isn't that nice? Lovely. That You know what they did from what I can read in between the lines here? They gave them a lesser piece of land. Smaller block of land. <laughs> They carved a bit of their block of land off to compensate so that they didn't have to find the extra money. Mm, This mm. sounds like a bizarre little story. But, you know, we're lucky enough to find a salesman who took pity on them. Now, this is the problem with getting advice from the wrong people. The salesperson just wants to crunch the deal. We don't know yeah, what the they consequences. want to get it across the line. So the yeah. difference in commission that a salesperson will earn from uh, a fifteen thousand dollar difference in the price is very small. It's mm. big to the seller, but it's very small to the the salesperson. They want that deal to go through. So at the end of this article, it says after years of grueling travel, and I think they're using a similar analogy to us in terms of climbing a mountain, Tony and James discovered many things that they wish they had known at the beginning of their journey, starting with how much money you really need to have to save for a deposit. Now, you know, if they'd done the journey with us, they would have known that at the they beginning of the journey. They would have known They would have so, been well in control of their whole process. <laughs> but what we want to just run through now, because, of course, if you've been listening this long enough, you know there's a systematic approach. There's absolute benefits to doing that. So let's just run through um how much extra you need so yeah. that we no one can say no one's talking about this because we're talking about we're talking about it all the time and and the thing is we completely understand you don't know what you don't know and that's the basis of why we want to inform people and have a systematic approach that would mean had they asked the right questions at the right time this wouldn't have been a surprise at the end now let's talk about how much extra you actually do need that you've estimated about five percent veronica so that's made up of stamp duty which or trans transfer duty, which is different in every state, and it is different for every property type and buyer type. So you really need to get a good calculator. Don't just do the calculation on a property and then think that's all the stamp duty you'll pay because it's different for each property. So whether it's a an apartment or brand new or off plan or established, um, the stamp duty calculations can be a little bit different. So. It is somewhat specific to the person, the buyer and the property. The state and the property. Mm. In fact, I was reading on an online um, sort of forum thing, um, it was like a finance thing. I was a first home buyer who was from South Australia who took umbrage to the fact that apparently in South Australia the stamp duty is higher than other states. And Actually, we do have a calculator in the course and it's a while since I've looked at it, so I've forgotten actually what the rates are state by state. But um, And they sent uh, a little um, objection letter into the Office of um, State Revenue to say it's not fair that South Australians should pay a higher percentage of transfer duty or stamp duty than other states. <laughs> and unsurprisingly, they got 
a negative response. <laughs> and I'm like one tiny, talk about it, like a David and Goliath ex- exercise. <laughs> I don't think it's fair. I don't want to pay it. Well, good luck. I don't want to pay it because it's unfair. Oh, we'll move to another state. Find the <laughs> oh, cheapest, yeah. And but pay more the- money for property elsewhere. <laughs> Um, you've also got the costs of due diligence. So that's your legals, searches that your conveyancer or solicitor might do and also inspections on the property. So these are really important to budget for because if you don't um, land the first property that you do your due diligence on, you may have to budget for a couple mm. of these events. So, for example, if you're going to auction, uh, properties are going to auction, um, and there isn't a building and pest inspection, you may need to do a couple of those or there may need to be some searches that are done prior to contract date um, before you actually land. So it is it is worth budgeting for a couple of lots of those sorts of fees and expenses. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's great if you don't have to spend them. But the other thing that some buyers do, they will, and particularly in a hot market, they might go and do three building and pest inspections and then they think, oh, this is just a waste of money. I'm not getting the property anyway. And then they stop doing due diligence. Yeah. And that's a real false economy. I can understand the logic. You think, what's the point? It's just throwing money away. But I tell you what, you definitely don't want to not do it on the property you do buy, you know. Um, so- yeah, because these things can add up. I, I remember mm. we did a um, building and pest inspection on a, on a particular property for a purchase for a client. Uh, and we often do recommend an electrical um, pool and plumbing inspection. And the plumbing inspection, uh, they put the camera down into the stormwater and the sewer and they actually found about $35,000 worth of remedial work was required because of um, tree root ingress into the the um, pipes. And these are private pipes on the on the property. So had, had that not inspection, $400, $450 inspection not been done, then... Um, that's an awful lot of money to be unaware of and pretty quickly have to come up with post-settlement. So it's a bit so of an insurance impo- policy. Quite important to do, yeah. And a building inspection has very limited scope so that they don't do those sorts of um, more invasive inspections. It's 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 tough, I know. Now, it's safe to factor in sort of around two to $3,000 for legal fees, um, which cover additional costs for disbursements and reports and, and whatever. So, you know, that's you've got to be thinking around that sort of figure. Uh, once again, it will vary from conveyancer or solicitor to mm. conveyancer or solicitor and depending on how many reports are needed, but that's sort of a good rule of thumb. And if you're buying an apartment or townhouse, you're going to need to order a strata report, which might cost $250, $300, depending on how big it is and, and all the rest of it. If you're buying a house, um, you should get a building pest inspection, as we just were talking about, um, and that that might set you back six to $800, and then there's any other sort of inspections as well. So you've got a budget for a number of those, potentially. It's not better to save, the, you know, if you don't have to spend the money, great, but Make sure that you're aware that, that that's a cost that you've got a you've got a foot. That's they're probably more the obvious ones, those inspection reports, because you sort of feel like you might be in control of you know spending that money. But another hidden one, bank a bank fees. Yes, absolutely, and these can really start to add up. And every institution is different, so they include things like loan establishment fees, document fees, valuations. The bank may charge you for the valuation on the property. Um, 
and and you don't get to choose who the value is, by the way. The, the bank chooses that. And they could set you back another $1,000, $1,500 with some banks. Uh, you could also be up for annual fees depending on what sort of package you end up taking. So make sure you get all the information up front from your lender or mortgage broker um, and make sure that you're getting the best package for you. Don't just look at the rate. The rate is often you know, a bit, little bit misleading. Because mm. if there are other costs, then your overall annual cost might actually be a, a lot higher than a, a slight difference in an, in, in an interest rate. And this is another area, I guess, where I could say it's not true. Nobody talks about this because if they had done our course, step one, now we're talking about step two is how much do you need? Step one is get your support crew, you know, around you. And one of those is how do you choose a good mortgage broker? Now, if they had a crap mortgage broker or they were just dealing with someone in the bank who's just checking off boxes and didn't bother telling them about any of this stuff, then they didn't have a good support crew. Mm. So this information is readily available and is readily offered by good mortgage brokers. Yeah, but but also I, I guess rolling on from that, Veronica, is make sure you're talking to the right people about their area of expertise because it's quite possible that they had a discussion or did an online calculator with their their bank and went, okay, well, that's that's how much we can borrow and let's go forth. We've got this deposit. Um, But it's important to actually talk to the experts about what other costs are going to be involved, what are the process, how long do you need for certain things? Because unless you get that, that dedicated, experienced expertise in that person's lane, in that person's area of expertise, you might actually be taken down the garden path and be worse off than if Mm. you'd gone in there with no knowledge whatsoever. You know, a little bit of knowledge sometimes is more dangerous than than none at all. (laughs) Uh, So I think making sure that you're asking the right questions of the right people is absolutely vital because you don't want to get the wrong information from the wrong person. It, it puts you in a bad place. But there's, you know, we're talking about upfront costs. There's also ongoing costs that you need, like really close to settlement costs that you have to account for. Mm. And they're things like council rates and water and strata levies. They, they could come in and transfer fees. They come in really quickly after settlement. And not only that, but on settlement, so say, that, you know, basically these these rate, rate, rates are quarterly. Right? So you pay quarterly, four times a year. And so you're paying for three months at a time. So if the owner, if you're two months through the quarter and the owner's paid the rates, then they you've got to refund them for the month that they're not living there anymore, the month of that quarter that you own property. So this is where some people get caught up. They don't realise that there's actually these adjustments made on settlement. So mm. there's water rates will be adjusted accordingly, council rates adjusted accordingly, strata levies adjusted accordingly. So yes, you're going to get the next bill you know, the, the next time the billing cycle comes around after you own the property, you're going to get a bill. But this this is something that does catch people out. But once again, if you've got a good conveyance or a lawyer, they would have advised you of this. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and knowledge is power. Uh, lenders mortgage insurance is is something that sometimes people balk at, but but I think it's misinformation that probably leads them to balk at it. But it is, it is a potential cost. Uh, and this is an important consideration when working out how much to save to buy your, your property or apartment. If your deposit's less than 20% of the purchase price, you'll probably need to factor lenders mortgage insurance in. Um, but there are some, you know, there are some um, employment fields and professions that it can be waived or it can be a lower LVR or higher LVR. So, again, important to talk about this upfront in that initial planning, get your, your 
support crew together, talk about money, know what your actual costs are, use the spreadsheet to actually work it out. You know, if you're spending 400000 what are my costs going to be? If it's four fifty, what are my costs going to be? If it's a new property, what are my costs going to be? If it's an established property, what are my costs going to be? You can spreadsheet all of those things and be really, really confident going forward that you know exactly what you're going to pay with a little bit of buffer for unexpected costs if they come up. And once again, this is back to getting your support crew, right? You know, I had a client once that um, they were, uh, one of them was a doctor and they had a broker that I didn't know, I'd ne- never dealt with before. And then they were getting a bit nervous about um, how much they had saved. Prices were rising and they were really worried about um, paying lenders mortgage insurance and they didn't yeah. want to because they had 20% plus costs. Yeah. But then as prices were rising, that 20% starts reducing. It's no longer mm-hmm. 20% as mm. prices rise. And they're getting really worried about it. I said, well, you're a doctor. Haven't you, hasn't your broker sort of talked to you about the banks that actually will allow doctors to buy with a 10% deposit without having to pay lenders mortgage insurance? And they're like, no. So I said, well, let's go back to your broker and ask, what's the deal? Oh, yeah, uh, says the broker. And I'm like, well, guess what? I definitely will not be recommending that broker. <laughs> um, but can you now go and do your job? You know, and and this is about, they're lucky they had us to actually go, we know Hang enough yeah. about that, that we know where to go to get the information and that there should be something that you should know, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the problem in property. There's a lot of people with opinions. There's a lot of people with a little bit of knowledge that don't stick to their na- their lane. And it's really hard to actually know where to go for the advice. And this is the, one of the reasons we created Homebuyer Academy was because we recognize not everyone can afford a buyer's agent that knows this stuff right mm. and knows where to send you to get the information so um that's why you're here and we're glad you're listening to us because that's exactly what we're trying to help you avoid making those same mistakes yeah i guess uh, again we go back to that whole point veronica i remember sitting on your back deck just spitballing ideas how do we build this what does it look like who 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 is it and the the very crux of it was you don't know what you don't know and and what we wanted to do was bring in that years of experience of i think we must be we must be pushing 50 years of experience between the two of us now i reckon because that was four (laughs) years ago um yeah (laughs) i know right don't say that (laughs) (laughs) but but it was exactly that we've seen so many different buyers different situations different challenges different i'm still learning every day i still there's a Mm. new situation a new thing to explore a new problem to solve and the whole idea of tapping into experts is that you get to know what they've learned through their experiences without having to go through the experiences yourself. Yeah. And, and that's so vitally important in property because there is very, very, very little margin for error. That's the thing. It's so expensive and it is so dangerous because it's unregulated. So you've got lots of people giving you advice, lots of people with their opinions, and lots of people think because they've done it once, they know it all. And also you've even got buyers agents with very small amount of experience yeah. out there operating, and they, they're they making mistakes and learning with other people's money. That's even more alarming. Oh, that so scares me so much. finding people with a depth of experience to give you this information and knowing how to choose a good advisor versus someone who really doesn't know or is not asking you the right questions because at the end of the day you don't know what you don't know you need to tap into that experience Um, and then you don't have cost shock 
No, and, and then you don't go, why did we have a $15,000 bill that no one told us about? Yeah. So that won't happen to you. And we will include the link to a blog that we wrote on this, which actually has sort of some, you know, examples and calculators and what there and lots of links to support things for you. We'll include that in the show notes. But you're listening to this podcast, so we know that you're not going to make the same mistake as this poor, unfortunate couple. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff. 